0: Oh, thank you, Josh, and worship team. Hey, take your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. And uh, it's good to see you, man. Everybody watching online, thank you for joining us there as well. And uh, uh, at our Rossville campus, too, man. It's great to have all of you there. It's good to be back. Took a few weeks off there, as I talked about a minute ago. And I want to go back as I've been preaching through the book of Colossians this summer, and I've done different sermon series throughout it. We're going to wrap it up just the next few weeks. But I want to start a new sermon series called Life upgrade. It is time to update, right? So since you come to faith in Christ, Paul's going to say those words in just a moment, that he's beginning to tell us in chapter number three that life should be upgraded all around us. That is, we have had the old life Running in in, in our, our our system, right? Our old old computing system has been running in our life, and now Paul comes along and says, "Now, since you've been saved, since you've been born again, since you've been raised with Christ, now it's time to." upgrade your life. And so beginning chapter three, Paul tells us how to upgrade our life. And look, all of us want that, right? I don't care if you've been saved 50 years. I don't care if you've been saved 20 years or five minutes. We all want an upgraded experience. Nobody got saved to be bored with their salvation, right? We all wanted to live a high impact, dynamic Christian life. So how do we go about doing that? So Paul, uh, now he's laid the theological foundation. Now Paul's going to come on, give us some practical input on all that. So I want to preach on this subject today. I'm simply going to call it Reboot out of Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse is number 1 through 11. So find your place and just hold it for just a moment. W- listen, let's talk about electronics for a minute, right? What's the first thing, the best way to fix any electronic computing device, what is the very first thing you ought to do to try to fix it? Does anybody know? Reboot it. That's right. Restart it, right? I hate calling customer care for something. As a matter of fact, if it's all possible, I just don't have the patience. I'm normally angry by the time I actually get a live human being on the phone. And I, I normally, honestly, if I need to get something done, I have to let my wife do it because, as mean as she can be, she is as sweet as sugar, you know, with people. And so I let her do it. But when it comes to electronics, she can't do that. And so I, I normally start off an electronics customer service phone call. I need some help with my phone, my iPad, computer, whatever it may be. I, I tell. I started off this way. I, I say, somebody, I finally get a live human being. Here's what I say. I say, hey, let me, can I just tell you something? I said. Uh, I'm tech savvy. I I know a lot about tech. I wouldn't be calling you unless this was a real problem. I said, before we we dive in this conversation, can I just tell you where I am? I've done everything on the first 10 pages of your screen already, all right? You don't have to start with page number one. I'd love it if you'd just fast forward to about page number 10, and can we start right there? And, and, and they'll say, what do you mean? I said, I've restarted it. I've cleared the cache. I've, I, yes, I'm connected to my internet. Yes, other things on the internet in my home are running. Anything else that's that simple, I've already done it. So do you mind, can we just skip to about page 10 of your screen?" And they'll say, sure, Mr. Sutherland. I said, that's great. And they'll say, that's great, sir. Now let's do this. Do you mind to restart your device? (laughs) I've already done that. Why is it with our computer, our phone, our television, our iPad, whatever it is, why is it that that? that often seems to work. Why is it that they tell us to start off by restarting it or unplugging it or rebooting it? Why does that work? Here's why that works. Because your computer, your phone, your TV, your iPad, whatever it may be, is running and as you open and close programs on it, you leave bits and pieces of other programs that were running are still running even though you have closed them out. So for example, you open up a mail app on your phone and then you get out of mail and you go over to social media. Well on your phone what's going to happen is there are still little bits and pieces of that mail app that didn't quite close. Now you're going to go over there and you're going to open up Instagram and uh, then you get out of Instagram and then there are still little bits and pieces even though you close it out there are bits and pieces of Instagram that are still running and so now you got a little piece of mail over here running. You got a little piece of Instagram over here running and if you open 10 or 15 things on your computer, your iPad your phone your whatever it may be every one of those programs leave behind bits and pieces of the other programs that you thought had closed out are not closed out and what they're doing is they're leaving a footprint of processes behind and it is beginning to hog your system it will it is beginning to drag down the ram on your on your device and if it happens too much, you get problems like a like a sluggish phone or programs that won't open or error messages or all kinds of other issues like that. When you so why does rebooting work? Because when you restart or reboot your computer, when you restart your phone, every single program and process ends as the power leaves your device during the restart process so once your computer starts back up you have a clean slate and usually a faster better working device faster better working phone ipad computer whatever it may be because when you restart it reboot it and it loses that power for that 10 seconds they want you to stop stop it it shuts down all that old programming so hear me so the programs that used to be running are interfering with the programs that need to be running. Let me say that again because some of you spiritual people are catching on already. The rest of you are behind. Hang on. The programs that used to be running are interfering with the programs that need to be running. And until you completely get rid of the old programs, you are going to hinder the new programs from being as effective as what they ought to be. Somebody should have said amen already, even though I'm talking about phones. Thank you. let Let me say it one more time. I'm gonna say it slower and softer so you can hear me. The programs that used to be running... Are interfering with the programs that need to be running. And until you get rid of the old programs completely. You're going to hinder the new programs from being as effective as what they ought to be. As long as there are bits and pieces and stragglers from what used to be running, the, the need-to-be-running programs are never going to operate as effectively as what they ought to operate. So when, you have, when that happens, you, you have to have a reboot in order to shut down all the old programming so the new programming can run the way it ought to run say thank you thank you you're getting it i'm telling you god's moving in the place i feel it already when you shut down and restart, I give the new an opportunity to finally start working. Now hold on, for those of you who are saying, why are people in phones? I know, get it, hold on just a minute. Some of them got it already. In the Christian life, we have some of the same issues in our programming that our phone, our computer, and all that actually do. Our old programming from our previous life has a tendency to hang around while we are trying to run the new programming of our Christ life. You've experienced that, haven't you? The programming of the old life, that is how I used to act, that is how I used to talk, that is how I used to live, that is how I used to treat my wife, that is how I used to treat my husband, that is the things I used to say and the places I used to go and the things I used to do, all those used to things, even though I'm saved and I'm a new creation in Christ, hey, in the Christian life, we get bits and pieces of the old programming that start to interfere with the new Christ life programming. You know how it happens. It happens to you. It happens to me. Right when the, I think I'm on fire for Jesus, right when I think, man, things are going good for Jesus, you know what happens? Some of that old programming pops up in my life. That old, that old way I used to talk, it starts interfering with the new way I ought to talk. That old way I used to treat my spouse starts interfering with the new way God has told me ought to treat my spouse. That old thing, that recreation I used to do is interfering with the joy I ought to have in Jesus. All of a sudden, bits and pieces of the old programming of the old Christian life. And the problem is that our old leftover life starts to interfere with our new Christ life. And we wind up frustrated and slow to grow and ineffective for the kingdom. Because listen to me, the more that old programming we let pop up in our lives, the more we're going to hinder the new new programming that ought to be in our lives. So I mean, let me ask you, how many have you, I want to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have been frustrated with your Christian life? Because it seems like every time you ought to get ahead, every time you ought to have this church thing down, every time you ought to have this Jesus thing down, every time you ought to have this giving down and this wholesome life down, every time you get it down, man, old programming Bits and pieces of it start showing up. Hey, it may not take over your life, but just enough pops up to discourage you in your new life. And that was happening at the church at Colossae. Paul has told them all of this theology that they need to do. We've covered that in chapters 1 and chapter 2. It was theology after theology. And then Paul said, hey, now I'm just going to talk plain. I'm going to talk where the rubber meets the road. Here's the problem in the church at Colossae. you got too much of the old programming popping up where the new programming ought to be. And Paul didn't say these words, but he would have if he had had an iPhone. Paul would have said these words. Paul would have said, it's time to restart your iPhone. It's time to reboot your Mac. It's time to get things back where they ought to do. And it's time to shut down the old programming. So I want you to see what he says. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word and, and read it in Colossians chapter three? It'll be on the screen for those of you online. Colossians chapter three, look, look at verse number one. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self." You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Thank you. You may be seated. So Paul has given us the theology of the Christian life and he starts in the practical part of the Christian life on how to reboot our programming. So my whole sermon of the day, next 20 minutes I have, I want to talk to you about how to reboot your programming in the Christian life. Three things. Number one is this. In order to reboot your Christian life, you've got to get your mind off now and on to then. You've got to get your mind off now and on to then. Now I want you to look back at your Bible with me. Look back at your Bible. Look, look back at verse number one. He says this. If you have been raised with Christ. Now, here, that's a fancy way of saying if you have been saved. But the modifier in the Greek is not really the word if. The modifier in the Greek can be better translated since. And so your Bible uh, uh, is better translated right there since you have been raised with Christ. So here's what Paul was saying. Since you have a new life. Since you have a new identity in Jesus, why does He use the word since? Because All of chapter one and chapter two have been talking about coming to Christ, finding Christ, living in Christ. That's what we've been talking about the whole entire time. And so Paul comes around and says, all right, he's kind of summing up in this phrase, all of chapter one and chapter two. And he says, since you are now a Christian, since you are now saved, since you have been loaded with new programming from heaven above, since you are a Christian. Now, Now, let, let me pause and say here. If you cannot live for Jesus, like you just struggle, you, you, can't, you can't get it, you can't get it down, you're trying as hard as you can, you just can't figure it out, you fail, you fail, you fail, and you're one, your whole life is one big Christian failure. Hey, let me just say this. The problem may be that you don't know him. All Christians fail. All Christians do wrong. All, all Christians don't live exactly how we ought to live. Hear me, I'm not talking about if you're really saved, you're perfect. I'm not talking about if you're really saved, you don't sin. I'm talking about if you're really saved, listen, you're going you're gonna to stumble in to some victories every now and then, right? What's that old phrase? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Hey, if you've been saved, the Spirit of God lives with you. Every now and then, you're just going to do something right. Every now and then, you're just—your wife— it's just going to fall out of her chair cuz you just did something loving and she knows Jesus has got to be in you cuz you wouldn't have done that without Jesus, right? But if you if you never, if you never get it right, if you never fail, hey, listen. It could be that you don't know him. Cuz Paul says since you have been saved. Paul is assuming that we have the power within us through the Holy Spirit to get the job done that God needs to get done. So here's what he says, since you've been saved. What do we need to do, Paul, since you've been saved? Look at this, it's right there in verse number one. Seek the things above. Word seek there is a great word. It, it literally just means seek, but it means a little, it, it, it means seek with, with a little more passion than that. It, it's, it's to seek something out with the desire to possess it. It's to strive to seek. It's not a casual glance. It's not a casual look. The word seek things above, seek the things above there, it means to seek out things like have a passion about it be passionate about it like be consumed with it have an all consuming desire to find those things what what are we supposed to be looking for i love how paul just simply says this the things above but but he adds this modifier seated at the right hand of god so here's what paul's trying to tell us that we are to set seek those things that are above what does he mean by that He means those heavenly things, those eternal things, the hereafter things. Get this, the post-earth life things. Like if you're seeking something that will not survive the end of time, you're seeking after the wrong things. Paul said that you are to be passionate. You are to pursue. You are to have a desire. You are to have an all-consuming passion in your life to seek those things that are above the the post-earth earth, life, things, the things in heaven, the things in, get this, eternity. He goes on to say, verse number two, set your mind on things above. That the The pondering of our minds, the fixation of our minds, and the fixation of our passion ought to be on things that come after this life, ought to be on things that are not in this earth, ought to be on things that we cannot put our hands on here, but we can put our hands on in eternity. Things that are not in earth, but things that are in heaven. And then Paul goes on to say it, verse number two, he said, as a matter of fact, let me me just reemphasize that, not on earthly things not on things that are to this earth. So here's the admonition so far, right? How how do we do that? Well, here's here's how you reboot your life. Here's how you upgrade your life. Number one, you got to get your mind off uh, things on this earth and you've got to get your mind on things where God is, things where heaven is, things where eternal is, not the temporary, but the eternal. And then he says, verse 3 and 4, that you're hidden with Christ in God, you'll appear with him in glory. It means we are safe with God, but one day, eternity is our final destination. That's what Paul's trying to tell us. Paul's saying that the reason you need to get your mind on things above, not on things on earth, because your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are safe and secure. Hey, listen, once you're saved, you're always saved. You just got to make sure you really got saved. You say, what, preacher, what do you think about church members to get saved again? Church members don't get saved again. Church members get saved. You, you can join every church in Walker and Catoosa County and be as lost as you can be. God's not calling one church role in heaven. God, God's not going not, not to say, hey, we're going to open up the rolls of Peavine Baptist Church right now. And like I tell everybody, we'll make sure you spell it right, God. It's P-E-A-V-I-N-E because it's real awkward if you spell it the other way. Matter of fact, somebody slipped me a note today, nobody here this morning, and they, it said to the pastor of P. Vine, and they spelled it the other way, P-E-E-V-I-N-E. We'd change our name, folks, if that was, the, if that was how we spelled it, we'd change the name. I, I wouldn't even ask, i just put a new sign out front. Right? God's not calling P. Vine Baptist Church roles when we get to heaven. Why? He doesn't care. He wants you to be a member of a church. He wants you to be here. He wants you serving, all that. He wants all that. But listen, that's not what gets you to heaven. The Bible says in Revelations 20, that's the Lamb's book of life that'll be called. And so Paul is saying, hey, you got to get eternity on your mind because if you're saved, you're always saved, and your life is hidden with Christ and God, you're going to be safely delivered into eternity, and if you're going to be safely delivered into eternity, it behooves us as children of God to get eternity on our minds now. That means that the Christian life is supposed to be a life that is focused on the then rather than the now, the heavenly rather than the earthly, the eternal opposed to the temporary. And if all you strive for is the fruits of this world, if all you think about is the pleasure of this world, you'll never reboot or upgrade your life. That's how the old life works, right? That's what the lost world does. The lost world only thinks about now. It's what you did when you were lost. The lost world only thinks about the earthly. The lost world only thinks about the temporary. I mean, when you were lost far from God, you may be here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You're stumbled into this place, you're trying to figure all this out. But I guarantee you this, before you got to this place, uh, apart from the Holy Spirit working on your heart, all you were thinking about was what's in this world, right? All you were thinking about was things you, that's the way we all did. We all did it. All we thought about was tomorrow. We never thought about eternity, All all we thought about today. As a matter of fact, when an eternal thought hits your mind, I promise you, lost or saved, that's the Holy Spirit in your life. So when you're lost, you put all our activity into this world. We put all our imagination into this world. We act like death and eternity aren't real or aren't coming for us, and we don't realize how close we are to the next world. We're so afraid of death. Listen, can I tell you this? I don't want to die. In case you get the idea, that I'm willing to die, I don't want to die. I plan on living to 100, 105, somewhere around through there, uh, and being in good health, run a marathon when I'm 99 years old. That's, a, Of course, I hadn't ran one at earlier in age, but I'll, I'll start training when I'm in my 70s for a marathon then, I'm sure. Um, but listen, we, we just don't talk about death. We don't like death. Christians aren't supposed to be afraid of death. You, you know that, right? We're not supposed to be afraid of it. We don't have to look forward to it. We don't have to be afraid of it. And I think, hey, it's, I'm off. I hadn't preached in a month, so y'all got to forgive me. I'm a little out of breath, and uh, I'm, I got too much to say, and now I'm going to wander from my notes, and I'm going to get myself in trouble. But, you know, it's kind of happened during the pandemic. Christians have been too scared of death, too scared of death. You shouldn't be able to threaten a Christian with heaven. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying we all look forward to it. We ought not to ag-, ag it on, but we're different. Paul said we grieve differently than others about death. We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to go to funerals. Days gone by. It was different. They kept death on their mind. You go back hundreds of years ago, they kept death on their mind knowing that this life was in. As a matter of fact, accountants accountants in, in yesteryear would write the words memento mori on their ledgers, on their accounting ledgers. And here's what it meant. Remember, you must die. They wanted to see while they were doing their books And before they were tempted to fudge or cheat or do something they shouldn't, hey, remember you're going to die and stand before a God one day. Memento mori. Uh, Philip of Macedon, who was uh, the father of Alexander the Great, he commissions his servants to stand in his presence every day and say these words, Philip, you will die. So he'd be reminded he was a mortal man. By the way, they assassinated him, so it worked. But Philip, you will die. You will die. In contrast, Francis Louis IX decreed that the word death could never be used in his presence. That's more like us today. I heard about Phil. Phil went to the doctor after a long, long checkup. Took longer than it should have been. His doctor came back in and shook his head and he said, Philip, I'm afraid I've got bad news. You don't don't have long to live. Philip was shaken to his core. I mean, he's just going for a checkup. Philip just... Tried to get a hold of himself, think of a question to ask, and he said, Well, Doc, how long do I have to live? And the doctor said, Ten. And Philip said, Ten? Ten? Ten what? Ten months? Ten weeks? Ten days? Doc, how long do I have to live? And the doctor said, Ten. Nine. Eight. (laughs) Seven. Hey, Phil didn't have long, I'm telling you. Hey, all of our clocks are winding down. Yours may be ticking on 10. Right now, today could be your day. All of our clocks are edging us closer and closer and closer to then. How do you reboot your life and live the Christian life you long to live? Get out of the now syndrome and get on the then syndrome. Get out of the here syndrome and get on the there syndrome. Get out of the earth syndrome and get on the heavenly syndrome. Get out of the temporary syndrome and get on the internal syndrome. Do things that have a heavenly impact. Some of you need to leave this building. Before you get out of this service, you need to send a text and invite somebody to church. Some of you need to go home this afternoon and you need to sit down and write out a prayer list and start praying every day. Some of you need to spend time with God and, and get out your Bible and find a, find a Bible and start underlining in it and memorizing Scripture and learning to let God talk to you and you talk to God. Some of you need to quit uh, letting the Holy Spirit just wear you out because you're not giving. Just give and let Him give you the joy of giving. Some of you, listen, in the next few weeks, you're going to start hearing about how you can serve in the church, how you open up, how you can help us here, reach the mission God has given us to do. That's eternal. Somebody need to find somebody that's in need and help you. Some, some of you need to find someone who is discouraged or going through a hard time and encourage them or help him. I'm telling you, you need to get your mind off the now and onto the end. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen to me. Put your treasure in the next life. Get your mind off now and get it onto the end. One day you'll stand before God. One day you'll be before the judge. One day you will see Jesus. One day you will give an accounting of your life. Hear me. You'll never live that next level Christianity here if your heart and your mind are always on this level. I mean, Let me ask you this morning, what are you doing for the next life? What did you do this week for the next life? What did you do this week to lay up treasures in heaven? What did you do this week to get your mind off the temporary and get your mind on the eternal? What did you do this week to get your mind off earth and get your mind on heaven? What is it you're seeking after with all your heart? You've got a passion. Paul said that passion needs to be Jesus. Where God is, heaven, those things, those eternal things. you never upgrade your life. You'll never reboot your life as long as you think about all you think about is here and now then an eternity that really really matter. Number 1, you got to get your mind off now and onto then. Number 2, Paul said you got to kill your old self. I tried to be creative in how to word this point and just could not figure out how to do it because here's what Paul said, you know what it says in the Greek? Kill yourself. Now, let me hang on. Paul said in verse starting in verse number 5 that you're to put to death. And I did all kinds of Greek research you can do on put to death. You know what put to death means? Kill. Cease its life. That's literally what it means in the Greek. So Paul, Paul wasn't cut, cutting any corners with this. He wasn't trying to flower it up. Paul said, you've got to kill your old self. Now, he says it this way, your earthly nature, right? That simply refers to the sinful nature of the old self, right? You've been saved, born again, right? Jesus lives in your heart. But right now, Jesus is living in a corrupt house, an earthly shell, an earthly nature. We still all were born with that sinful nature. We don't get a glorified body until after we leave this world. The King James says that you ought to kill your earthly members. Meli is the word in the Greek. And uh, the, the rabbis had it broken down this. The rabbis identified 248 members of your body. And they came up with 248 laws of the Torah to go along and correspond with those 248 uh, members of the body. So there was a law on how every part of your body ought to work because they knew that they needed to kill the fleshly nature. In the Old Testament, they were trying to do it through the law. It didn't work. In the New Testament, we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit for that very reason, to kill off our Old self. Now, what was Paul talking about when he talked about his old self? Paul doesn't always give us a lot of details. Paul went into massive details on this. And so you, you see the list right here that in verses 5 through 90, he goes through. For, for example, he said, You got to kill off sexual immorality. That's any sexual relations outside of the marriage bond that's not between a man and woman, right? So men and women, all of our sexual relations should be confined to our marriage bond with our husband and our wife. If, if it's not, you gotta, you gotta kill it off. And then he said impurity, that's moral corruption. Then he said, lust, that by the way, that word lust there means what you think it means, but it, it means uncontrolled passion. It doesn't just have to be about sexual things. It can be about anything that your body has this. T- if you notice this about your body, your body, see, body has a tendency to get addicted to things it should not get addicted to. Can I, can I get an amen right there? Could y'all, y'all see that in your life? Like my, my, you know, for me, it's usually a bag of Doritos. That's my problem. That's why I, I have lust. For Doritos, that's how my life winds up, and that's any uncontrolled passion. Then he says evil desires, wrong cravings, then greed, putting money before God. You say, preacher, I don't have enough money to have greed. You know, I've noticed people with the least money usually have the most greed. You know what greed is defined as? Never having enough. Never being content with what you have, that's greed. Paul said, that's idolatry. You're putting money before God. And then he goes on to name some we're all familiar with, right? Anger, wrath, that's fury, malice. Malice is a mean spirit. Slander, that's abusive speech. Gossip, filthy language, obscene speech. Or here's the way the words define the Greek, speech and poor taste. And then he says, do not lie. Lying or being deceitful. Now, now here's the key. Paul said this. Paul said, put off these practices. Now that word in the Greek there for practices literally means this. I've never seen it before I stated it. It means daily practices, right? It doesn't mean you're going to fail, not going to fail. It doesn't mean like you're not going to have an outburst of anger. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying, I expect you never to get angry. That'd be great, right? That's the goal. Never get angry. Paul said, here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about that old programming of anger that you let it go on every single day in your life. That's the problem. So Paul said, I'm going to get rid of the daily activities. The daily activities that do not look like Jesus, they've got to go. You've got to kill them off. How do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you must kill the daily activities in your life that resemble, remind, sound, look like the old man that you used to be. Listen, here's a great statement. Follow me. If you don't kill off the old self, the old self will kill off the new self, and the wrong self will wind up dead. I know you need me to say that again, right? If you don't kill off the old self, the old self will kill off the new self, and the wrong self will wind up dead. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm not saying you can kill off the Holy Spirit. I'm saying if you just let this old self run rapid in your life, you're going to bury that new self on down and on down because the Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He's a gentleman, not an intruder. If you're not careful, you'll kill off the wrong self if you let these daily practices run in your life. And the worst thing you can do in the Christian life is kill off the wrong one. D- did you hear about this is a funny story, one of the funny stories I read. Did you hear about this Argentinian newscaster? She she got up during the newscast, just a few weeks ago. She got up in the newscast to uh, and, and it wasn't in English, right? I just showed you the video, but she was reporting on William Shakespeare's death. How many of you know who William Shakespeare is? Let me see a hand. You know who William Shakespeare is? Right. He was that 81-year-old who got the second dose of the Pfizer shot for COVID during the trial that William Shakespeare, you know who I'm talking about? So William Shakespeare was an 81-year-old Brit who got the second Pfizer trial dose during COVID. He was the second person experimented on, 81 years old, which pretty brave of him. When I got my shot, it hurt, my arm hurt for about two days, and I, uh, 81 would be rough to be get, getting that. But he, he got it. His name was William Shakespeare. As a matter of fact, here's a photo of William Shakespeare getting his shot. But when the Argentinian newscaster reported on his death, she thought it was the other William Shakespeare. And I have to read it. Here's, here's what she said during the newscast. She came back and apologized for it and said she had been misunderstood. I don't know how she, I don't know how, she just, she's wrong. And here's what she said. As we all know, speaking of William Shakespeare, he's one of the most important writers in the English language. Well, there he is right there. And, um, and, um, uh, I lost it. Here's, here's what, one of the most important writers in the English language. For me, the master. Here he is. He was the first man to get the coronavirus vaccine. He's died in England at the age of 81. So she thought she had improvised in the beginning, and she started talking about the greatest writer of the English language, which, by the way, this William Shakespeare ain't a writer, to you put it plainly. The William Shakespeare she's talking about died in 1616. So I mean, to give her credit, she was only off by 400 years. She killed off the wrong William Shakespeare is what she did. She killed off the wrong one. And I'm afraid we do that in the Christian life. Man, if you don't kill the old life, can I tell you the remnants of the old life will kill the new life? You've got to kill off the old one. Some of you are listening today. Listen to me. You are saved, but you're just not acting like you're saved. You want to live the victorious Christian life, but you're still tolerating too much of the old life. And here's what, man, every Christian tries to do it. I'm just going to tell you, until you get to that place of utter failure, you'll not move beyond it. Every Christian tries to do it. Here's what we want to do. We want to run as much of the old life as we can and run as much of the new life as what we can. And here's what the devil tells us. Hey, you can juggle all this old life over here. You can juggle all this. You can go to church and live like me. You, you can sing in the choir and you can live like me. You can teach Sunday school and you can live like me. You, you, whatever, you can preach and live like me, whatever. Problem is you can't. Problem is that old life, if you don't kill it out, starve it out, get rid of it. If you don't replace this old life with the new, this old life will push this one way down. And Paul said this, he said to take it off like taking off an old set of clothes and be done with it and move on. Don't tolerate it, find forgiveness, run away and move on. Let me ask you this morning, how much of your old life are you living with? How much of your old life has the devil convinced you, well, you can do this, it's fine. Just work harder when you go to church. Hey, you can talk this way. It's no big deal. I bet other Christians do it. Just sing a little louder when you get to church. How much of that old life are you living with? How much of that old life are you tolerating? Hear me? Oh, how much of that old life are you enjoying? You say, preacher, it's hard to give that up. Listen, anything you're going to give up, uh, the devil had offered you, Jesus has got much better over here for you. Much better. How much of that old life are you petting and coddling and holding on to? Never work. You never live for Jesus doing that. You got to kill off the old self. I'm preaching too long. Number three, let me give you this. I'm done. Paul said this, to be new, you have to renew. Verse 10. He said, have put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. To be new, you have to renew. The renewal of the new self, Paul says, is in knowledge. It takes place as a believer comes to a personal deep knowledge and fellowship with Christ. And the renewal is in the image of the creator. Its goal is to make believers like him for your new self was created to be like God. So hear me. The goal of the new life, the goal of the Christian life isn't knowledge. The goal of knowledge in the Christian life isn't knowledge. The goal of knowledge in the Christian life is to learn more about Him so we can be more like Him. There's no, there's no knowledge test in heaven. God's not going to ask you to name the 66 books of the Bible. He's not going to ask you to name 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 new, who all the uh, 12 apostles were, who the 12 tribes of Israel, who who was Noah's great-grandkids and who was Adam's whatever, and where did Cain get his wife? God care less about all that. Care less. You know what he's going to ask you? How much did you look like Jesus while you were living down there? The goal of knowledge in the Christian life is not knowledge. The goal of knowledge in the Christian life is to be more like Jesus. Here's how it works. Follow me, this is so good. I learn more about Jesus. And I measure my life according to what I've learned about Jesus. I adjust my life so I look more like Jesus. And then, you know what I do? I go back and I learn more about Jesus. And then I measure my life according to what I just learned. And I adjust and correct my life so that I look more like Jesus. And you know what I do? I go back and learn more about Jesus. And then I come back and measure and adjust. And I go back and learn more about Jesus. You know what we are? As Christians, we are in a continuing education program to be more like Jesus. We're shutting down the old. We're starting up the new. Close your Bibles, I'm finished. I, I got to hurry. Close your Bibles, I'm finished. You, remember back when you used to have toddlers? Anybody remember back then? You may have toddlers right now. Do, do you ever remember just wishing your toddler would shut up for a minute? Do you ever remember wishing that? Ever remember wishing that? Oh, it's fine, they're, they're over there. They're not over here, it's fine you're not the only one because do you hear about the hijacker a few weeks ago that forced his way onto a South Carolina school bus? The hijacker forced his way onto the school bus with a rifle. That is literally him pointing a rifle at the bus driver. He jumped on the bus and he said to the bus driver, get out of town now. The bus driver in an interview said it's one of the scariest scenarios possible. Uh, 18 children and the bus driver at the whims of a man with the rifle. Well, what happened? Well, the bus driver said the gunman was no match for all the first graders and kindergartners that were on the bus. He messed up. He messed up. And he said for all of the kids to come sit in the first three or four rows on the bus so he could watch them. And he was wanting to get driven 15 miles away to the next town. But when all the kindergartners and first graders got up close to him, they started peppering him with questions over and over and over again. The bus driver said, they just start, all of them started asking him, was he a soldier? Because they were at a base. Why was he doing this? Was he going to hurt them? Was he going to hurt their driver? Where was he going to let them off? And he said, it just went on and on and on. And this is what I find so funny. Six minutes after he got on the bus, he surrendered. <laughs> I kid you not, he made the bus driver pull over with cop cars behind him. He got off the bus, and when he surrendered, they literally questioned him to death. (laughs) That's one of my favorite stories this year. Because I've been there, man, with those kids in the back seat, right? I've been there. You'd pray for a hijacking somewhere along the way just to get you out of the situation. Six minutes, and the questions got to him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, that's what the Bible does to us and what the Christian life is supposed to be to us. I I learn more about Jesus and the questions start coming up in my life. I I read that passage on, you know, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to commit sexual immorality. And the spirit of God says to me, well, what what about that thing you do in your life? I'm not supposed to be angry well what what about that anger you go, didn't you just yell at your wife well yeah but what, what are you going to do about that you only have two choices one quit reading your Bible or two start putting on the new life see you're You dive into the knowledge of this book in order to renew your mind, can I tell you this? Your sin will not be able to take it anymore. You'll have to reboot, restart, upgrade, or you'll have to walk away from the Christian life. It starts with a reboot. You got to get your mind off now and get it on to then. You just got to kill the old self. There's no way to put it slightly. You just got to be done with it. You say, preacher, well... I got the sin in my life. I don't, I don't know if I just want to walk away from it. I thought about just putting it in a cage and leaving it over there and, you know, only opening the door in an emergency. No, that's not killing it. That's making it a pet. you you, you got to kill it, Paul said. And then you start to renew your mind and, I mean, you'll read this word of God and it'll convict your heart. And you'll have to adjust or quit the Christian life one or the other. It won't let you do both.
1: It's awesome to have Pastor Joel back in the house, and thank you, Pastor Joel, for that amazing message from the book of Colossians on how we can level up our spiritual walk with Jesus, and um, I I don't know where you are spiritually. Only you can answer that question, Um, but, but you're in one of three places. One, you've never started... A faith journey with Jesus or you've started a faith journey with Jesus and things have grown cold or you are everything's going good and you're right where you need to be spiritually all of us in are in one of those three places and so I want to speak first to the group that has have, have never put your faith and trust in Jesus um, there's no need for you to think about leveling up your Christianity until you get this one thing straight and that is you can know for sure that heaven is your home and that you'll spend eternity with Jesus and that you have a relationship with Jesus here on this earth. The Bible tells us clearly we can know that for sure. It begins with you understanding that you've messed up. We've all messed up. It started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Um, Ever since then, all of us have been born with a sin nature. You gotta be willing to admit that. You gotta be willing to come clean with God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day he rose again. In that act, Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell for me and for you. And then you just gotta tell him that you believe that out loud. And you gotta tell him, Romans chapter 10 verse nine and 10 says, we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then I wanna encourage you right now in this moment to tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried and on the third day he rose again to pay the penalty for my sin. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, take away all my sin. Be my savior lord i give my life to you in jesus name if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning and you meant it i want to tell you welcome to the family um and what an exciting most important decision you'll ever make and you've made that today we want to connect with you we want to send you some information we will send you a book that's gonna help you know what the next steps are in your faith journey with Jesus. Um, And we want to help you in that faith journey with Him. And so um, we have just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. And so if you'll click on that, it's gonna ask you a couple of questions and you'll be connected right with me. I'd love to talk to you this week about what's next for you spiritually. Hey, it's been awesome uh, to be together Uh, worshiping online uh, this morning. I've enjoyed it so much and um, I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org.